Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hello and welcome to the Science and Technology Show. My name is Camille Stewart and I'm your host for today. I, it is my pleasure to introduce you all to Adam Zuckerman, founder of Fosterly. Thank you for joining us today, Adam. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm so excited yeah. to talk about Fosterly and what you're doing and how you started doing it. Yeah. So you've got a very interesting background. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an attorney, MBA, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. a whole host of things that you seem to pull together to... Uh-huh. Um, really promote connectedness in the yeah. startup space, which I think is very cool. Thank you, yeah. So can you talk to me about your background and then how you came up with Fosterly? Yeah, so I, I have a somewhat interesting background according to some people, I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> um, I'm an attorney, I have an MBA, I've been entrepreneurial focused for a long time. And after graduating from, from law school, I worked in a hedge fund mm-hmm. and had a great time in DC, uh, financial markets bottomed out. Uh, we actually did okay at the fund, which was nice. And I decided, you know what? It's time for something new. And I went and worked at a creative interactive agency as a general counsel and kind of cut some of my creative chops, I guess, we'll say. And when I left there, I had some free time on my hands. And I said, you know what? I want to go and help people. I want to meet new people. And I threw out in social media, hey, you know, whoever wants to come to this coffee shop, it was actually Chinatown Coffee, you know, in, in Gallery Place, come hang out. And if I can help you, that's great. Maybe somebody in my network can, if I can't, uh, open for anybody. And over the course of the next weeks and months, it went from five to 10 to 15 to 20, 30 people showing up. And from there, we came up with the idea of Fosterly, which is fostering entrepreneurship, fostering innovation, fostering collaboration. It's one of those things where like you picture the word and then the rotating marquee happens after. Uh, and over the course of, I guess, six or seven years now, this was back in 2011, Fosterly is helped a lot of startups in the area start and get going, which is great. Yes, yeah. that is really great. Yeah. And so one thing I want to highlight is that this is not your main job, yeah. but it is a passion project, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you've got a nine to five, yeah. which I'm sure is more than nine to five. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got this. Yeah. And I'm sure you've got a number of other side projects that you're doing. One or two. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I connect with you on in that yeah. is that, you know, often your interests and mm-hmm. your passions, they align um, but pull you in directions that either help you to uplift other people and empower other people through the information you've gathered mm-hmm. or otherwise. Yeah. How do you balance all of that, right? Like that's a lot on your plate. It, it is. So I'm breaking this rule right now in full disclosure. If you go to my <laughs> LinkedIn page, you can see that I've got a few extra things. But I generally try and follow something that I call the one-two rule. And it's a my thing. I don't really talk about it very much, but what the hell. Um one, two is that you have your primary one big job. Okay. So that's my day job. That's where I go to work. That's what I travel for most of the time. Uh, and then two small side projects. So Fosterly is this thing that's almost on autopilot now. I've got other collaborators in it. Frank Taylor, you're amazing, um, that help things go. Yeah. And we plan in the beginning of the year, this is the roles and responsibilities that we're going to knock out. So we know it's coming down the pipe. Um, if you get beyond three things, I think that you get a little bit too pulled apart. Yeah. Um, for the other things that you're talking about, like I'm an adjunct professor at University of Maryland in innovation entrepreneurship, uh, Go Hillman Center and, <laughs> and Terps. 
but that's something that's only one semester. So when I start getting into these other things, you just you break it out and make sure that you you have time for it. Um, you also sometimes have to be very lucky that your primary job is okay with you possibly spending other time. Yeah. And I'm fortunate that I have that opportunity to do this because Fosterly and the links to innovation, entrepreneurship, and the connections that I make through this network of relationships actually helps me do my job better at, uh, at the primary job. I wish more primary jobs realized that the things that feed you outside of usually feed yeah. your nine to five as well. So that's yeah. great that you found a, an employer that embraces that. So let's dive into Fosterly a little okay. bit more. Talk to me about what you guys do. I've heard a lot yeah. about connectedness, about mm-hmm. startups. Tell our listeners what that means. Uh, so a lot of people are confused by Fosterly, and rightly so. We're technically technically a business, uh, LLC, but we run it as much as a nonprofit as we possibly can. It's not necessarily about the the bottom line that we make. In essence, we are a double bottom line company, I guess, where we're not really paying too much attention to the financials of it because there's not that much money that goes through it. Um, our goal is to help startups and people that are related to the innovation creative economy in the DC region, DC, Maryland, Virginia, surrounding areas, start and grow their businesses better. And each year we focus on one or two initiatives that we think would make a significant impact that might not be there. So we started off with these coffee shop things and then it grew into ultra collaborative curated coffee co-working or co-working in offices that got sponsored by like Microsoft and Verizon. Um, and then that grew in size from 30 to 50 to 300 to 500. Eventually, our largest event was at the Ronald Reagan building downtown. Okay. We had 1,500 people come. We had the founder of Google X come, the GSA and NASA, the White House, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. It was, it was really good. Um, but in the last two years, we decided, hey, there's a lot of events. Like if you want to work, you can work. If you want to go to an event, Every single night of the week, you can go to an event every single night of the week. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to fill that gap anymore. But what people didn't have is just information and data. They'd come to us and say, hey, can you connect me to this person? Can you make an introduction to this person? I don't know where to go in co-work that meets this specific need that I have. Uh, Shout out to Harahub. um, Great co-working space in in, uh, Maryland, if you're interested. It's female-focused. Awesome. Right? They're awesome. Anyways, sidebar. (laughs) So stuff like that. Um, And we took that data... And we tried to do something called the Startup Census, and it turned out to be really good. We had more than 30,000 data points come in from over 200 companies last year. And this year, we repeated it. So we got almost double the amount, uh, 75%, 50,000 or 45,000 data points this year. Um, I'm not going to give you the exact amount of numbers, but then we take that data and we put it to work, and we help people get jobs via program. We have intern match. So long story short, we do a lot with a little, and it's a lot of fun. Well, actually, no. Let's dive into the census a little bit more. Talk right. about what kind of data you're collecting yeah. and then how people are able to use it. And then please dive into the intern match because okay. I think that's amazing. All right, all right. Um, and especially to get interns into the startup space, right? Yeah. That is a hard market it to is. crack as an intern or it even is. as an entry-level professional. Yeah. So you're doing a great service. Well, thank you. Okay. So the census is it's something that we didn't think we'd be able to pull off at first. It's a Herculean effort. Uh, of hurting startups. So we go very deep. And something that Fosterly has that a lot of other organizations 
struggle to achieve at some point is authenticity. And when we say, listen, if you give us your data, we're going to protect the heck out of it. We do that. So people give us financial data. They give us hiring data. They give us geo geo data of where they're located. They give us office space if they need rent, um, what their problems are, what they think that the local government can help out with. It's, it's literally, it took 45 minutes for some people to fill this out. And when you talk to a startup, a lot of people say, oh, the number one most important resource that they have is money. That's a lie. The number one most important resource that they have is time mm -hmm. because time you can get more money with and build your product and make relationships and whatnot. So we, we take this, this massive approach and then we slice and dice it up and we have really important stuff for some of the local jurisdictions. Um, Alexandria, for example, supported this year and Fairfax supported this year and Montgomery County supported this year. And they can use the data that's anonymized and redacted to protect anonymity that says, oh, these people say we need this, let's give this to them. Or there's going to be a need for this in this space. But then we also have fun things like the number one startup name, for example, of a founder is David. Or if you're working from home, your average salary is going to be $30,000. And these are not the right stats. I'm just pulling them, for example, $30,000 more than if you work out of a co-working space. Mm -hmm. So our job is to take all the data and pull out cool facts to help people understand. But the reality is, and this goes to your question about intern match, is that we don't believe that data for the sake of data is worthwhile. You have yes. to actually put that data to work. And when you have a community, which is what we are across the region, um, a community works together. And that means that we need to look out for the people that are not only trying to start businesses, the people that have established businesses, but also the people that want to start working for those businesses. And those are oftentimes kids in college. Mm -hmm. So it's really tough to break into the job market for some people more so than others. So we do something for the past several years called Intern Match. And last year, we shifted it a little bit. So normally, Intern Match was people send in their resumes. We collect it. We separate it based on questions. So here's all the marketers. Here's all the people in finance. And then to all the startups that participate, we hand them the data and a big spreadsheet. And we say, go talk. And then we step back and we let people do their thing. But last year we said, wait a minute, let's actually make this a little bit better. Um, and we didn't know if it was going to work. It turns out that it did. And we made the first match both race and gender and name blind to the maximum possibility that we could. Yeah. So every single resume that came in, we actually had all of that personal information redacted from the resume. So all they could hire on was portfolio or grades or essays or other things that people submitted. Um, and then after that first match, the companies then would say, I wanna to speak to student number one, two, three. They'd use our system to go in and send an email. Uh, it says, I wanna to talk to student one, two, three. And then student one, two, three would get an email. And if they're interested in the company, then they reach back out to the company mm -hmm. and then they can and connect. That's the and that's when they can figure out who they are. But it, it gets over that hurdle. And people go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we don't think this is really that successful. Well, in 2016, 2017, we had 566 students participate. We had 107 startups. There were 998 connections that were made. These are actual stats. 321 students contacted at least once. 155 students contacted by three or more startups. 75% of the startups extended one or more offers. And 23% of the students that we polled, and a lot of people didn't get back to us because they don't have to because we step out, had a job offer and accepted it. That's so. Amazing. That's that right there. If you say 566 and we know that 23% of the students took jobs, that's well over 100 people, at least from this thing that didn't take that much time are actually working out in the area. And we get emails from people going, this is fantastic. I've been working at the startup as an intern. And guess what? They just extended a full time offer for me. 
So it's it's a really nice. That's thing. wonderful. And access is a big issue, yeah. right? Not only just for interns, but for others. But this is a great starting yeah. point to get students into these organizations, as well as get these organizations to be able to identify students. Mm-hmm. I've walked, mm-hmm. watched startups and worked with startups that have been desperately looking for interns yeah. to no avail. And they don't know where to look. I mean, exactly. they don't have time to go to GW, to Mason, to Howard, to American. to. And to- reach that many places exactly. at one time, right? You can't do it. You might have a connection to your alma mater, but mm-hmm. that is one demographic of people who all may or may not think mm-hmm. the same way or have similar backgrounds. Yeah. But now you can spread it out yeah. and benefit from like a diversity of perspectives yeah. on top of just exactly. access. And that's so great. The best thing about it is that the schools that participate, they help support it financially. It's not a lot of money to them. Um, and then the students that participate, it's always free to them. And to make sure that the census is really vibrant, we said any startup that participates in the census, you get to participate in Intermatch for free. That's right. So it's this really recurring cycle of, well, everybody can help out everybody rising times. And then people go, okay, wait a minute. So there's obviously a catch there. You're charging startups that uh, that don't participate. And the answer is, yeah, $99. Yeah. If you can't afford $99 and you want an intern, you probably need to reevaluate some stuff (laughs) because you should be paying your interns. Like federally speaking, pay your interns unless they're getting credit because if not, you're taking advantage of people. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great service. And one of the things that you keep mentioning and I really want to highlight for listeners is the regional nature of the organization. And somebody might have heard that and thought maybe it was just because that's where your reach is Mm -hmm. and that's where your network is, but it's intentional. Yeah, no, 100%. We, we've been asked in over the past several years, you know, do we want to open up fosterly chapters around the country? The answer has been no. Do we want to license the, the census and whatnot to other regions? We've thought about it. We haven't gotten to the point where we're comfortable with doing that yet. Okay. Um, I grew up in D.C., like right over the border. Uh, if you know where M- Montgomery Mall is. Yeah. Uh, I went to a high school called Churchill, you mm-hmm. know, go Bulldogs. Um, and I love the area. Yeah. There, there's something here. And uh, it's, it's fun to be able to give back. It's important to invest in your community. And so I love that 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 is a piece of this, Mm -hmm. right? And fits so well in the passion project nature of this company. (laughs) But so talk about how you're connected to the the area, right? I know you worked with the mayor's office Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah, so I'm fortunate that I live in D.C. Um, I don't think it's difficult for people to get around the area. I help out with stuff in Virginia. I help out Montgomery County as well. If someone calls and I have time, I'm, you know, I, I want to help out. And that's been from introducing Mayor Bowser when she came on the scene at a WeWork event. You know, we, we had a tech, you know, back and forth with her. Uh, it was a member of her Economic Development Transition Committee yeah. um, after she was elected. Um, I've helped a little bit with some of the initiatives out of Refraction in uh, in Virginia with the Innovation Coalition. Uh, Montgomery County now, we're working with them. Uh, They're one of the supporters for the census that we mentioned earlier. Essentially, we view rising tides. Um, If if you are in the area and you're doing well and you're helping startups, we think that that's only going to help out other startups. And sure, there are hotbeds of certain types of verticals. So people might not know that there is a fast casual dining scene, Union Kitchen, for example, that is incubating food startups in a marvelous manner. And then there's also food startups that are doing it very well on their own. We've got great large companies and hospitality behind us. You know, you drive 10 minutes and you can hit Sodexo, Marriott, Hilton. Um, You obviously have the government stuff, but the surprise is, and this is one of the data points from the census, is that 70, 80, 90% 
uh, of of the money from startups is not actually from the government. Mm-hmm. It's from private sector. And yep. the reason why is if you want to work with government, guess what? You need a really big track record, right? So when people go, oh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, startups, it's a government town. Guess what? There are startups that are focused on that. But the vast the majority of them, yep. that might be a goal. That's not where they start. Yeah. I so mean, they can't, though, because also the scalability yeah. to be part of the, yeah, to penetrate the government market it's, is. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's it's just fun because you, you have all the different things that go on in the region. And, you know, it's it's been interesting to see it evolve over the last, you know, X amount of years. And D.C. is so ripe for this kind yeah. of connection, yeah. innovation, all of those things. This is a really cool concept to leverage the networks that we all come here mm-hmm. to build or mm-hmm. are blessed to build and pulling them together in this really cool way. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you've seen. What kind of startups okay. come to you? What are some yeah. of the trends? So it, it's it's across the board. Uh, I mentioned the hospitality startups. I mentioned food startups. We've got a lot of ad marketing plays as well. Cybersecurity obviously is pretty big around here. <laughs> uh, what you might not notice is that there are more technologists in the DC region than any other region per capita in the United States, yeah. which is amazing. Yep. And because of that, you get a lot of tech heavy. Uh, there was a, a guest that uh, you were speaking with earlier, and he went, well, you know, I don't have a technical background, but I started this this company. Uh, if you want to talk about it, you can. It's a really yeah. cool biometric payment processor. Um, but the reality is that every single company that you're starting now is a technology company. Yes. Obviously, there's, there's exceptions to the rules. Always remember to never speak in absolutes. But every company has a tech component for yes. it. So as long as you have an idea, you're going to be able to find somebody that can help you out with it if it's a legitimate and worthwhile idea. You just have to work for it. Um, so the types of companies that we've seen, it's it's honestly, if you name it, somebody's trying to solve it here. Which is really great. What, what do you think is the biggest value proposition for Fosterly, right? Mm. Like what, do you, what are you putting into the community? Yeah. Um, that stands out? I think that we have a framework and a trust with companies that lets us acquire and process data in a way that is trusted. Yeah. And trust goes a long way. If the government reached out and said, hey, we want all this information from somebody, I don't, I don't know that all of these startups would actually give them that information. Yeah. But if somebody from Foster League calls up and says, hey, we, we're doing this for this reason, this is how it's going to be used, they trust us. Uh, and obviously there's some people that aren't familiar and they're new and they go, wait a minute, I don't understand why you're asking right. for that. Like we, one of the questions was birth date of the founders. And the reason why we wanted birth date of the founders this year was so we could say, based on the founding date of the company that you gave us, or the founding year or whatnot, we can then back in, because we do calculated fields in the analysis, how old you were. Because a lot of people think that startups are founded by people in hoodies in colleges. Yeah. But the, the vast majority of startups are actually started by people that are 35 and older because they have that nest egg to fall back on or a little bit of a security blanket. Or they have expertise in something that they said, hey, this is a problem that needs solving. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you can't find that problem if you've just gone to college and high school yep. or trade school whatnot. Um, so if we can show, hey, these founders started these companies between 35 and 45, that could then open up an entirely different dialogue for the, for the area that changes the perception of what people are doing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's the data and what we can do and the, the authentic relationships that we have with the entities in the area. Great. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other programs, initiatives mm-hmm. you have yeah. other than the census okay. and the intern match? Yeah, we, we do something. This is this is really our core staple called um, called Study Hall. 
And it was when we were in the coffee shop, it was great to bring in 10, 15, 20 people, whatnot, 30 people, however many, for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Coffee shops love that. 30 drinks, people out the door. The problem was is that we were sticking around and we were there using up all the tables for the entire afternoon and we realized that wasn't okay. So luckily Verizon took us in, Microsoft took us in, and we realized that we wanted to have these ultra collaborative co-working sessions. And those have evolved over the years to industry focused as well. So last year we had a series only for women entrepreneurs. Uh, We do one or two a year that is only for media and entertainment companies. And those have led to people getting funding and VC money. Those have led to connections. And we have a formula where there can be no more than 50 people in the room now. And it's from 12 o'clock to 435 o'clock. And from 1230 or 12 to 1, people just hang out. Like, honestly, you walk in and it's just people working at their desks hanging out. And it's set up almost like a boardroom where people have to face each other okay. um, in a big U. And then sometimes people sit on the other side of the U if there's enough enough room. And at 1 o'clock, we go around the room and you say who you are, what you're working on, a problem that you're having, and how you can help other people in the room. And that. with 50 or less people in the room, every single person is going to have enough time to introduce themselves to every single person in the room that makes sense for them to talk to, hopefully everybody. And because it's the foster lease space, I guess, if you want to call it that, we we do them most often at uh, Womble Carlisle Center and Rice, now Womble Dixon, um, a law firm in in D.C. Um, People then open up their networks, and it's this recurring bubble effect. So we we figured out these really cool things that have helped people out, um, and hopefully we're, we're able to continue to do that. Yeah, and I love that piece because I think when you're seeking connections, you often forget that you have some that might be valuable to others too. So you're opening the door for people to not only to receive help, but to provide it. Exactly. It's it's not a network where you go in and get sold to. We don't let many service providers in. Uh, If we do, they're called SMEs and they know like, hello, I'm from Swing Space, which is also a startup, but also a, a company that is a real estate company that helps people find find their office space. This is what I do. I'm here to help you. If you want to talk, come over and talk to me. And then they work on their computers. Yeah. So if That's you need great. help, you can approach them, but they're not going to go around and drop business cards on you. They, they know when you come to a fosterly event, it's collaborative first. It's building relationships. We actually don't like the word networking because it's, it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. Have you seen innovation spark from this kind of collaboration like maybe two people come with a different (laughs) idea and they've come together and they're like wow you kind of have the other piece to my puzzle Uh or we could create something bigger than what i envisioned have have you ever heard of transit screen no so those are the a lot of the screens that you go into office buildings and whatnot and it'll say this is your location and here is how long it's going to take you to get the metro and the bikes Mm -hmm. whatnot the transit screen guys they met at a fosterly event wow so company that was in dc they, they left but they still have ties to the area uh, we've helped out with Urban Stems on demand flower yes, delivery. I, uh, I think that their CTO and somebody else met at a Fosterly event. Oh, There's a whole laundry list of companies. And it's like we went to a Fosterly event, and lo and behold, I met this person that got me a job to this person, or we actually started a company. Yeah. Um, so that's it's, great. It's this really cool thing that you get to see. You know? Yeah. Like beyond even just, you know, I came to get a connection. Yeah. Like I kind of found the missing piece of my business, exactly. which is very cool. Exactly. So how, if I'm a startup and a, or okay. an aspiring entrepreneur, how do yeah. I engage? Uh, so the first thing is just talk to people, go to events, okay. uh, whether it's one of our events or whether it's somebody else's events. There's meetups all the time. There's hosted events at WeWorks and a variety of different places, like the Alley is a new co-working spot. Mm-hmm. 
you have to talk to people. You yeah. can't build companies on your own. And people go, no, 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 I can do it. Well, the reality is you can't because startups are hard. Um, again, always remember to never speak in absolutes. Yeah. But founders, if you're going to go that route and you want to find a funder, they often say times ask, who's your team? Because you're going to have to have different perspectives. And then you go, okay, fine. We were actually that that diamond in the rough and I can start and grow a business on my own. Well, the question that I then ask is how many Fortune 500 companies or Fortune 1000 companies even only have one person working for them? Right. And the answer is zero mm -hmm. because you have to have people to scale things. Yep. So the, the number one thing is go out, build relationships and find the people that you need. But then you have to understand when it's time to cut back. So you can't go to an event every single night. You actually have to be a doer. And when you are a doer and you get things done, then you have to pick and choose where you spend your time because, as we talked about earlier, time is your most valuable resource. Yeah. So get out and meet people. And to that effect, I love your one-two rule. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm breaking it right now. <laughs> I, but you know, I, I find I find that people who follow their passions often have some overlap with a three and maybe a yeah. four while they get back to that too. It's tough. Um, but to that to that end, managing your time effectively, owning you know what you invest mm -hmm. your time into, being strategic, those are all things that people can learn from you, from yeah. Foster Lee. Thank you. Um, as they move forward, so thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, this has been fun. This was so much fun and so insightful, right? Like, so I I play in the um, startup space, yeah. but I had not really engaged Fosterly, and I love, yeah. love, love the concept of connecting people, yeah. focusing on the region, mm -hmm. really building community and investing in our neighborhoods mm -hmm. and and the in ecosystem around us. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for investing in your community. I appreciate that. You're you're welcome. And if you want to learn more, uh, self plug, go to fosterly.com, F-O-S-T-E-R-L-Y. Uh, or if you want to make fun of it or pronounce it wrong like my mom, it's Foster Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go, go to the website. Uh, we're around and we'd love to see you at events. Yes, so. please go yeah. and check them out. And thank you so much for joining us, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.